Today is Tuesday, February 25th, 2014, and this is Radio Wave. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and uh, tonight a friend of Medjugorje will be speaking to us about something good that happened today. There is so many bad things happening in the world, and all it takes is a short listen to the evening news or to the radio or glance at the newspapers to see that there's much evil that's happening in the world. But at the same time, there's something that's taking place that is combating that and has been happening for nearly 33 years now. And so the Virgin Mary came today again, as she does every day. And this day, she gave a message for the world. And tonight, a friend of Medjugorje is going to be speaking to us about that. So as we begin this broadcast, we ask you to open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. May we come to you as always in a privileged position to know and understand to a small degree that your presence in the world today is to save it. Just as those who behind the scenes are with people or personages of great power, we come to you in gratitude that through your humility and who you are, that we are in your chambers for this great moment of history. We're not deserving, but we thank you for allowing us to be in the know and in anticipation of these days on the 25th and the 2nd when you speak to the world. Amen. And so it is. Our Lady yet again gives us another 25th message for the world to speak to us, to do what with that? To do what she said June 25th, 2007. God desires the conversion of the entire world. Does it take this many messages to do this? 33 or 30 years, over 32 years now? We've messed everything up. I was told today Eric Holder told all the state Attorney Generals, that they didn't have to enforce any laws that they felt like they didn't want to, especially about marriage, which is the number one thing they don't want enforced. And so we have so many laws that they can pick and choose like a shopping cart, going and getting what brand you want, what item you want off the shelves, 
decide what they're going to be or not. And it's always the ones against God's commandments. And yet a lady came today and said, live God's commandments. And interesting enough, if we did that, everything in the culture would straighten out. On its own, we don't have to come up with any kind of economic scenarios, worry about taxes, worry about our incomes, worry if the economy is going to crash or, or, or flourish. The cure is none of those things are formulas. The only thing to go by is if you live God's statutes, he takes care of the rest of everything else because it's too big for us. It's too complex. It's too integrated. And I'm saying that even in an agrarian society 200 years ago, because it's God who sends the rain. So no matter how complex we are now, which we've got things so integrated, so entangled, that there's no fixing it, the only solution is to live God's commandments. Our ladies... February 25th, 2014, monthly message to the world. Dear children, you see, hear, and feel that in the hearts of many people, there is no God. They do not want him because they are far from prayer and do not have peace. You little children pray, live God's commandments You be prayer. You who from the very beginning said yes to my call. Witness God and my presence. And do not forget, little children, I am with you and I love you. From day to day, I present you all to my son Jesus. Thank you for having responded to my call. Live God's commandments. It's really that simple. I often have seen when Our Lady comes with some solution or something, even to the visionaries, even to Maria on things that I'm privy to with her being intimate in our relationship in regards to knowing her for so long, her family, her extended family on both sides of her marriage, being with Micah, her mother, being in her home, that it's natural for her not to put on any pretense and not to be talking about a lady, but things of life. That you would hear all the problems that come to her, which she has to lend her ear to constantly. People having this problem, this kind of situation. The marriage is falling apart. They financially are bankrupt. They've lost everything. Their, their child just died for various reasons. Not ending problems. Maria would be like a psychiatrist to many of them, except for the soul. And it's really simple because everything she says is very, very basic and very simple. And Allah has given us those answers by saying, just surrender and live the messages. But if there's anything you had to give as far as solid, it's just live God's commandments. You can't fix things. Only God can. And when man extends himself beyond his capability to sustain what is built by him, which is our culture throughout the world today, only God can correct it. And God himself, because not able to break or violate man's free will, came and fix this. Because it's so alien from God, it's so foreign to God, then why would he fix it? 
Think about all the systems and how everything operates and how Hollywood is and how the money is and how everything's going. Do you think God really wants to fix this? Are we praying for God to, to straighten things out the way we know it? When you repair a building so many times, it gets to a point ultimately where the only thing you can do is destroy it and tear it down. Start all over. And we're too far up. We're too high. We're too big. Like a financial advisor not that advisors I'm friends with told me once that the balloon just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he said this probably 20 years ago that we're headed for a crash. And so to make sure everything's annihilated, make sure everything crashes completely so that it can be rebuilt, it's got to get so far up, so tall, that when it crashes, there's nothing but gravel left of the buildings. It's like 9-11. It's interesting nobody looks at 9-11 and the Twin, uh, Twin Towers. It was the financial center for the world. That's a message. Why did it happen? Why was it so crystal clear? Why was it not a cloudy sky down here all the way to Alabama to New York? We woke up that morning and we were, I remember us talking about it. Look how clear the sky is. There's nothing there but just beautiful blue skies. The clarity was something that I remembered before the event happened. Why? Because God wanted the weather perfect to see what was happening. So did we see that and recognize evil? Because we don't. Our lady said, dear children, you see, hear, and feel. Immediately when I read that, immediately I thought about two or three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, I was riding down the road, and I had a flashback. Everybody has that. They come to a memory that they've lost since childhood. And I know I was probably in the sixth grade. I'm walking down the hallway. We just left a class that the, the teacher was, uh, the nun was telling us about see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And I remember in the hallway, and I pictured myself, remember me as I was looking at myself in this m m lost memory that I hadn't thought about since that time, that what does that mean? And I can't say where I went from that, but anyway, that's the whole thought. I forgot about it the last couple, three weeks. But I see a lady was preparing me for this right here. You see, hear, and feel. And immediately I knew that thought before that, and that memory of long ago, was that if you choose to see no evil, if you choose to hear no evil, you will not speak of evil. And this is what's happening today. And if we don't speak about evil, it permeates and prevails every part of the culture, and that's where we are. We have people who don't want to know about evil. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to see it. They ignore it. We have the church ignoring it from the pulpits. We have the people ignoring it. Well, there's not evil. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong about going to the movies and some of the things they show. I don't see no evil. And so we don't recognize evil. We don't recognize the evil, satanic statement of Eric Holder, our Attorney General of the United States of America, saying, don't enforce laws. How about marriage? So we can have an abomination across our nation. Can you believe that? And what I was told, they were all saying, well, what if he, the Attorney General of the states decide not to enforce this or this or that? No. What did Eric Holder say? His primary purpose, his sole purpose, really, is to get this thing that Satan wants across this to redefine what God put as holy to be unholy. 
not only unholy, but unnatural. To put it on a course that doesn't follow the natural way. And you wonder if it's right or wrong. You don't see it as evil. You don't hear it. You don't speak of it as evil. Everybody's scared to even talk about it. In England, you go to jail to speak and denounce it. Preachers have gone to prison for just saying Romans 18.32. Amazing. So we're a people today that don't want to see evil, don't want to hear evil, and don't want to speak of evil. Because if you don't see it, you don't even, you have nothing to say about it. So maybe the proverbial saying of this, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, maybe taken on one side that you can protect yourself from evil by not seeing it, hearing it, being out. But for our today's culture, how this applies to us, if you choose to see no evil, if you choose to hear no evil, you will not speak of it. And that's our problem. Nobody's denouncing the evil in the culture. Well, we might offend somebody. Or it's going to be hate speech. Or we can't hurt somebody's feelings. Or we're going to give penance and confession that doesn't give you nothing for the sins that you commit. Almost absurd what we hear from people. Our Pope is getting on this left and right. He just told the cardinals, to be a saint is not a luxury. It's necessary for the salvation of the world. Pope Francis went on to say this past week, we forget the humiliations that we have endured. And if this is the attitude of a cardinal, this must be how he must act. A cardinal, I say, this is special to you. And he's addressing cardinals. Enter the Church of Rome, my brothers, not a royal court. May all of us avoid and help others to avoid habits and ways of acting typical of a court, intrigue, gossip, cliques, favoritism, and partiality. May our language be that of the gospel. <clears throat> yes when you mean yes, and no when you mean no. Those who have received the ministry of guiding or preaching and administering of the sacrament must not consider themselves as having special powers as masters but must place themselves at the service of the community, helping to walk the path of holiness with joy. I say, Pope Francis says, to help or rather to serve people, for this is the true vocation of the bishop and the cardinal and the pope, to be servants to serve in Christ's name. Pray for us so we might be good servants, not good masters. Incredible stuff. Because there's a lot of frustration out there. And that's why they keep saying, and in the second of the months, pray for your shepherds. Pray for your shepherds. Don't judge your shepherds. And here we got a shepherd really coming down on things and saying, change your, change your whole attitude. Don't be arrogant. Don't lord over the people. Serve them. This is good news. This is real good news. Because the church is less than whole. And our Pope right now is coming to to depart the gray clouds that's up there, to put the stars at night, light all these things up. We need that. We need a church that flows, like our lady says, out to the whole church, or rather out to the whole world, a river of love that shines with life. And so the way that we do that, we have to come clean. We have to resurrect. We have to ask for forgiveness. We have to go to confession. This is where everything starts. There can be no broken people risen back up. 
without confession. It starts every every reconciliation, every restoration, rather, always comes first with repentance. And if we're not ready to start that, we won't have it. And until we begin to sit there and choose to see the evil and hear the evil and denounce it and speak it down, nothing's going to be brought to forgiveness. It's not going to happen.
There's a lot of things that we can talk about and discuss in today's message. There's there's a whole lot of many angles that we can go with this. Uh, just first off, the very first thing that's very apparent about today's message is that Our Lady, first of all, doesn't begin the message saying today or also today or even uh, anything in the message that has to re- that's referring to calling us to do anything. Basically, Our Lady says today, you little children pray, live God's commandments, you be prayer, witness God, don't forget, etc. There's not an invitation in today's message. It's, it's almost as if it's a mandate. So that's the, that's the first thing, I guess, uh, in looking at the message. And uh, what do you think that we're moving to a phase where Our Lady's indeed, the time's come to just mandate from us what, she, what it is that she needs from us? I guess you could say this message is more of a mandate because that, that did strike me that she didn't say dear children today or dear children also today. She just starts right off with meat. Dear children, you see, hear, and feel that in the hearts of many people there is no God. See, Romans says that there's no realities in nature that prove God's existence. There's no excuse for atheism. So there's no excuse for that. And that's evil. And it just struck me like lightning. I, I didn't get past you see, hear, and feel before I thought, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And in a flashback of about three weeks ago of what that meant. And we have nobody speaking about evil. Yes, there's the talk show hosts. There's people out there writing things and doing that. But we don't have the general culture out there. It's like a cardinal told me, and I've, I've said this many times through the years, at the Vatican, he says we have good people doing bad things. And so there's a lot of good people. So well, there's a lot of good out there. Now, the whole culture does not understand the sin in which it is sinking, our lady said. That's her words. The world does not understand in which sin it's sinking. I come to draw it out of the whirlpool. It's a big deal. Here we are in evil. We're walking in evil on a, on a daily basis. Our whole structure, the way we live, is dark compared to what they lived 200 years ago. Man would be appalled on what we do throughout the day, every day. How is that? Why is that? We have the knowledge of understanding that we're wicked. At birth, we're wicked. But people see these cute little babies born. You're cute one time, no matter if you're ugly now. And everybody looks at that like, oh, so innocent. But is that really how we come into the world? We're innocent? Then why do we get baptism? Because we need an exorcism, but because we come in wicked. You say, well, how can a baby be wicked? Well, let's not go to theology. Let's go to the Minnesota Crime Commission. And after years of study, what they come up with, it's unbelievable. We're raising people and we're raising children today with love clothes, education, everything, but yet we don't instill in things that they need to be formed with. And that's what this commission came up with this. 
conclusion that criminals come from parents not being tough on the kids, basically. Not instructing them in the right way. We have value-based education that tells you you don't have to follow any values. You've got to make up your own values. We raise things in a neutral. As long as they're clothed, they've got the tennis shoes on, we take them to the sports, we do all this. Make up, let them make up their own mind. No, it can't be that way. We've forgotten the whole concept, especially mothers, of instilling and being strong with their children and putting formation into them. Rabbi Zachariah today said something. I heard him just going across the street, and he quoted this Minnesota Criminal Commission that studied this, studied crime. It's an incredible piece that you'll hear him talk about, quoting from this commission. Listen to what the Minnesota Crime Commission says about the reality of the human heart. We hear philosophers talking about a tabula rasa, a blank slate with which we are born. Listen to what years of research tells this Minnesota Crime Commission. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch. Deny him these once, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which could be murderous were he not so helpless. He is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children are born delinquent, and if permitted to continue in their self-impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up a criminal, a killer. A staggering expose of what you and I can be like with a heart that is untaught and untrained. Can you think of the potentiality of a killer in a young, innocent-looking life? But you see, somewhere we have believed that if only we educate them, they will be all right. If only we send them to college, they will be all right. I think Moody, Dale Moody said it well. If a man is stealing nuts and bolts from a railway track and you want to change him so you send him to college, he said at the end of his education, he will steal the whole railway track. All we do is end up making ourselves more sophisticated in our duplicity and in all of the schemes that the human heart can engender. If our educational system needs to read anything today as they take out the Ten Commandments, if the heart is corrupt when it is born, and if knowledge alone does not change us, what then is needed? Ali, of course, comes and says, parents get bad advice to use today. And this advice should be, parental advice should be motherly. It's the mother who instills so much into the kids, the children that's raised. And we have really a really deficiency in that. We've got the material aspects being taken care of, but not instilling in formation that you do this and this is your job and this is what you're supposed to do and instill these in the kids. They're not forming the mind. We have kids dictate to the mothers what to do. And she's of the opinion to follow that opinion of theirs, not the father's. Fathers don't run the household no more. We have a female-driven society. All the magazines, all the clothes, all the fashions, everything leads to this. And we got the mothers following it. We quoted Isaiah about that, that the children are tyrants and the mothers listen to them. And at the expense of nobody listens to the father. 
We're not a male-driven society anymore. And we suffer because of that. And that's why God is not sending Jesus Christ back for the second coming, because we're not ready. He's sending a mother because that's what the world needs is mother. So God gave and has given us her. Why is that? There's another clip I heard yesterday that talks about a father and how his wife was such a manager of the home who drilled into her kids regimes or regimen, schedules, the chores, and instilled this responsibility in them so strongly that he was able to run the whole house. It's real interesting where he led this to. Uh, with the fact that my wife was just such an astonishingly gifted uh, manager of our home that she had really uh, essentially built the railroad, built the engine, built the cars, and had this train going down this track right where we wanted it to go. And all I have to do is just keep throwing coal into the fire. And if I can do that, the process continues. And uh, and so we we've been we've been working on that assumption. We had systems for meal preparation and laundry and for the homeschooling. And 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 she she had the you know chore charts and and was just super organized that way. And and like I say, the, that not only is that there that system there, but it had the children. Uh, trained, and one of the things that's been really encouraging to me about this, one of the things that I've seen in the life of these children, is how much more they were already amazing kids. With how much more uh, responsibility and self motivation, uh, and and frankly, hard work they're able to do. My 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 children, I'm just profoundly proud of them. They they make dinner uh, most of most nights during the week. I, I cook dinner once a week for the kids. And what happened was this household is running like a freight train that the mother built, that she was tough on her kids. She didn't let them sleep in. She had demands. She had expectations. Very few mothers have expectations of children. Oh, they have hopes. So what do you want to do, honey? What would you like to do? They don't instill demands and expectations. You're going to do this. You're going to have your bed set up. You can't wish it that they'd come help you do something. You gotta demand it. My mother did that. We were boys, but we waxed the floor. We were boys and we had to wash dishes. We had weeks that we had this was my week, I had the week, my brother had another week, another brother had another week. And if we didn't we didn't do it, we got it. And I mean a spanking. Or we got punished. In other words, there was an expectation that we had to fulfill, which helps me now years and decades later. But we don't have that in the culture. Everything's soft. Everything's going toward, what do you want? What would you like to do? And it's sick. But this father's household was disrupted. Not that the children didn't cook, do what they needed to do, but his wife died. And so what he was talking about, she had built this whole household, managed it in a certain way, that when she died, it continued, and all the kids are flourishing. They got good work ethics. They didn't fall apart. The story was pretty incredible. And she leaves a legacy because she lives behind, she lives in her children's hearts that she left behind. And so don't think that our lady's not coming to give us our lady. We've got a mess. 
We've got individuals that are being raised by mamas that are a mess. And you say, well, what about the daddy? Well, the daddy can't rule if the mama won't let him. We've got to go back to a male-driven society, not a female one. People may be offended by that. You may not understand that. You pray enough, you will. Read How to Change Your Husband, Whose Opinion is Right, The Painful Truth. Because a lot of people have made a mess of the children. They don't have no expectations of them. Clean up after themselves. I was raised where that was just expected. It wasn't even asked because I was formed that way. But you can't wish that into being. You have to be demanding on your children. And just like Robert Zechariah was, children are born savages. They're selfish. They're looking out for their own ones. And we see this. I wrote in, I think it was uh, How to Change Your Husband, about go to the University of Walmart and just listen to the kids talk to the parents, two and three-year-olds. They teach the parents their language of whining, and the parents respond to that. And they're so timid with them, they're scared to get, correct them, or they're going to make them cry. And we're sick. And so God sent his mother. He sent a woman. Because she can help us when we're up, and she can help us when we're down. We have days that we doubt things. She's going to be there. She's there for us for this purpose. Thank God gave her. I don't even know where I'd be, even with those things my parents instilled with me. If they had not come with the culture where it is, who would be saved? Who would recognize what is the commandments about? Who would recognize about the Sabbath? So we could only be half of what we could be with Our Lady. God knows what the world needs together. He's stitching us with Our Lady. We're to be connected with her. And this is never to be undone. She wants us to retain what she's put into us with the words and the messages. And thank God gave me her and you the same. I've been a walking heartache I've made a mess of me The person that I've been lately Ain't who I want to be But you stay here right beside me And watch as the storm blows through And I need you
God gave me you for the ups and downs God gave me you for the days of doubt God gave me you for the ups and downs God gave me you for the days of Kind of pulled in two different directions in what to ask you today. Um, the, it's always exciting to uncover the, the pearls in every message of Our Lady. But there was a thought that struck me at the beginning of the show. I had the February 2nd message side by side, this message of the 25th. And this 25th message sounds like a second of the month message, traditional message for nonbelievers. February 2nd message really sounds, and, and they're sounding more and more like Our Lady's 25th message teachings. And so I, my question is, could it be that there's a reversal going on in the message? That the 25th message, which is traditionally for the believers of Medjugorje, the message that Our Lady began giving to the world, is actually becoming more of a message for non-believers within her movement while the second of the month messages for non-believers, the Gentiles of our days, the, that they're accepting Our Lady. And we're seeing this. We're seeing this with Protestants. We're seeing this with Muslims. We're seeing this acceptance going on in a, in a phenomenal way with people other than our own faith, even the Catholic faith, that there, there is this kind of reversal going on where she's giving much more teaching and responsibility within the second of the month messages than she is in the 25th now. Well, Jesus told the, scri- told the people that, that, that unless you surpass the scribes in their holiness, you won't make it to heaven. And so we the scribes. We've been following the messages 25. We've been doing this 25 years. But from the get-go when the second started, I told every, everybody here, and I wrote about it repeatedly, these second of the month messages that everybody was seeing for non-believers were for us first. Some even other in the Medjugorje world said that, no, they're not. They're for the non-believers, and the 25th is for us. And then right after that was, actually, some centers put that out. And right after that happened, within a month or two, our lady put out that I've been saying, giving you messages for non-believers. I'm speaking to you. Pretty shocking. Now, we saw that in the message because we, we were... Our life's built and centered on that. Everything Our Lady is saying. Our Lady says uh, several times that, that on several occasions, I want to give you new messages, but you have to live the ones that I've already given before I give you new ones. And then she says, you know, I like to teach you new things. 
the thing that's amazing about this is it doesn't have to be a new message. It's a new message and a message 10 years ago when we pray and we discover something we never saw before that's new to us. Don't think for you to learn what you need to do is you got to wait to the second month coming up next week or the next 25th message coming up in March 25th to learn the new message. These messages will last to the end of the world for everything that needs to be addressed. Everything. Because we're under a system that didn't exist since man's beginning of man and Eve. They lived agrarian. That means agriculturally. They're subsistence living. We don't live that way no more. Everything's automatic these days. And so is there a reversal taking place? Everything's new with the message. And one thing about this message, but I, I like to teach you new things, is LA likes, to, I, I read that message recently, and the first thing I did, I said, okay, Mary, teach me some new things. Because it said in the context, would anybody read that would think, okay, for the next message, I'm going to tell you, come something new, he's going to teach us next month. I asked her then, I want to open up the message and learn something about new, the new message and just picking a message at random. I pick a message, I can believe what I read. Something I've read many times, but I didn't know something about it. I won't go into it, we don't have time. But it was something totally profound and brand new to me. And that's why Lady says you must pray to understand the profoundness of the message. These messages, nobody called on them in the beginning days. And for, for the first decade and a half, nobody was into the message. We drilled it and drilled it and drilled it and still drill it. And just in the last 10 years, some people catch a moral strong on the message. But I can tell you, I was there the first 15 years and nobody was into the message. They're in the testimonies, all the major word conferences about people's testimony and what they did and how they converted what took place. But our ladies wanting to teach us things because we, we live in an automatic society. Everything is done for us. I went to get a rental car when I was out of town, and they asked me, you want a GPS? No. Why? I says, because I want to keep learning how to run, use a map. I don't want to, get, I don't want to lose that ability. And they said, they didn't understand that. Why? Well, it's, it's, it's an option. It's free. I said, no, I don't use them. I don't want to use it. But this whole automatic society really diminishes the ability for us to even understand the message. We don't have the, we don't have the formula in, as far as a structural way of approaching things, of how to think about things in a common sense way. It, it, it's all something else doing something for us. And so with this automatic society, we lose. We've lost our way. And our ladies come to bring us back to hands-on, to struggle, to pray, to build in us the ability to be able to see that we've been deceived by this fake society that's on automatic running. Like only yesterday I'd get a blanket set 
As Joan was saying earlier, there's a lot of directions that you could go with this message today. And it was something you've said in the past, and you can, by the, the top tone of tonight's radio show, um, we know Our Lady's not politically correct in the way she speaks. So Our Lady is basically giving very, very clear words about people who, in which there is no God. You're, you spoke about the first sentence you see here and feel that in the hearts of many people there is no God. It's interesting that uh, Our Lady speaking about the people who is, who, in which there is no God, atheists, non-believers, etc. And she's using the word see, hear, and feel. 
And these are the very same words that they use to say that the reasons why they don't believe in God. And so, maybe there's, uh, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought maybe there was something deep, uh, deeper into that that you uh, had seen in the message because Our Lady immediately begins to speak about these people who don't have God and she doesn't really mince words about them. There's nothing, not, she's not necessarily speaking in very gentle terms about it. She just states it very plainly about the people in which there is no God. Well, I think Rabbi Zachariah quoting this Minnesota criminal thing talks about how people are raising children in a vacuum of as far as instilling them principles, forming them, forcing it on them, just like you force them to brush your teeth. We've talked about this many times through the years. People come to me, should I force my kids to pray? My question always has been, do you force them to brush your teeth? Which can they do better with, their teeth or without? Teeth or prayer? You know, and they don't turn into savages. And it was interesting, this, this report says these children would be murderers. But they can't because they're helpless. Being an infant, they don't have no power to do that. But they had all inclinations to do that if they're not formed properly in the heart. And this is a failure of parenthood. People say, well, you can't, you can't worry about your children and what's happened to them. We've got to confess and we've got to recognize our failures as a culture but not instilling the values and the, the formation in the children that they should have. It takes work. It takes effort. People won't do it. They haven't been doing it. And so our lady says here, they don't want him. You see, hear, and feel that in the hearts of many people, there is no God. They do not want him because they are far from prayer and do not have peace. Because they wasn't raised with prayer. They wasn't raised with the parents. We sit down. This is what we do. Do we sit down and eat supper? Does your children eat lunch? Do they eat breakfast? Well, do you sit down and supper and say, after supper, we're going to do, do, we're going to do our rosary right there at the table before we even get up, before people break up and go watch the TV shows or wherever, go out and do sports? Why not? Oh, you can do the body, you can do the flesh, you can feed them that, you can clothe them, but you're not going, you're not going to form in part of your fabric of your life prayer because you want to go read the newspaper or watch a stupid TV? The first steps to healing is recognition that we need healing because we've been erred in our way of life and our walk and that we need to confess that. I'm telling you, you better get tough on your children. You better have demands on them. And we don't have parents just that way. You can say, oh, I'm tough on my punishment. We're not talking about that. You form them in a positive way. You have expectations that they make up their bed in the morning. You say, I can't make them do that. Well, if you don't make them go to school, truant officers comes and arrest you. You say, well, I don't do that. There's a lot of failures and a lot of re reasons you need to be looking. Everybody needs to be looking at how they've been raising their children. It's, I want to write about it. I mean, it just, I see some things just walking or going somewhere, traveling. makes me sick. I've often have told kids when I see them little two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, talk back to parents. I walk up to them and say, you better obey your parents. I'm peer pressure, and I'm supporting her. Or even, rarely do I don't ever, I don't remember ever doing it to a father. It's the mom's lot, let him, let him often get away with it. The dad enforces that when he comes home. Mother can be saying, your dad's going to deal with that when he gets home. But she can't be usurping him, she's got to be with it. But just like this father talked about who lost his wife, how her, she had instilled so many values in these children and work ethic, everything all along the way, that they were able to do that. And so life's tough. We have to realize that a lady said, I, on February 2nd, she said, I desire that you obtain 
the cognition of what is natural and holy divine. Filled with cognition, you will be my apostles who will know how to spread the word of God to all those who do not know it. And you will know how to overcome obstacles that will stand in your way. You want to cushion your children from every adversity? I want my children to know adversity. I want them to know difficulties. I want them to figure out how to get back up when they fall. I've told my kids, I'm teaching you how to fly, but I am not going to fly for you. Don't expect me to be giving you handouts the rest of your life. You be a witness first, but you're going to be a force with that witness. And you'll stand a little taller for that. Life will knock you down. Our Lady says, the cognition... God wants to fill you with, the divine. And that way, all the difficulties we're running through and those things we feel, we'll have trust in ourselves and faith that God gave us a destiny for all these little victories that come to us through the cognitions, through the trouble. Because when you go through conversion, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have curveballs thrown at you, and it's going to be tough. That's why Our Lady said on the Thursday messages, God sends you trials in your daily chores. To do what? To build cognition in you. Cognition, cognition will be real life knowledge and experiences, not just intellectually, but you've lived about it. You've been kicked around. When you think you don't have a friend, our lady's there with you, with you. She's she's wanting to walk with us. And so we have to understand, as when you were talking about this, that they do not want him because they are far from prayer. This comes from childhood. They're born a beast. We all are. We have to get baptism to get exercised. But if you're going to be in a neutral environment and you're going to love your children to death, which is really hatred when you don't do it, when you don't do it, because you're lazy, you're not going to, because it takes effort to be consistent, to instill principles in youth. I want my children to know the, suns, the storms of life. We want the community people and the kids here to know the same things. Today we had a work day at the cross. It's supposed to be beautiful and sunny. It was cold, wet. The wind's blowing up there on the mountain. We never got to finish the groundwork on, the, on replacing the mountaintop where we had to build a road. We're, we're cutting that. We want to put wildflowers out there. We're doing hard labor. Nothing's automatic. Yeah, we had heavy machinery, but there's a lot of labor on the side of the mountain, picking up big rocks, carrying them down, even some of the little kids. And, and a lot of us had our jackets on, our heavy coats on. You know what the kids are doing? They're running around barefooted with just T-shirts on, short sleeve. Our kids are raised tough here. We want them. We don't, we don't ever tell them, don't go put your shoes on. And if you come here and visit us during the rosary, you'll see them often running around barefooted when it's 35 degrees outside. But they're raised. That is a normal way of life. But most parents would say, oh, you're going to catch cold. You're going to die from that. I'd rather them die tough than die sissies. And we become a sissy society. Everything's comfort. Everything's got to be perfect. We can't inconvenience ourselves. When our kids here, we don't want them to be convinced. And so they live harshness in a normal way without realizing it's abnormal to the rest of the culture. But I, I, know, I know it's rocky up there. I was... Did y'all see them? John, you went up to Riaz. They're running around. Several of the kids out there barefooted. Now, one pair said anything. 
And that's how we want to do because that's how they're going to stand tall. That's putting cognition in our kids. They're raised in a tough way. They can do the thing. They're exposed with ways and things other kids are not exposed to. And he wants us to do that to make us stronger. Life is tough, it'll knock you down Treat you rough, kick you around Make you wonder if you got a friend That's just what the ticket cost Battles won, battles lost They all make you tougher in the end But getting through it all Makes you stand a little taller So 
sort of going in a different direction right at the end of the show here, but I just wanted you to comment on what your idea of what are they saying when she says, you be prayer. And if you could come up with an illustration or a concrete example from your own life in which you could say in this instant, I was prayer. I felt that I was prayer. I said August 25th, uh, 2013. Every day I'm sowing and I'm calling you to conversion that you may be prayer, peace, love. The grain that by dying will give birth a hundredfold. To be prayer is to be love. Every action of love is but prayer, because God is love. And everything God wants us to communicate to him is love. And so if you love, you pray. And God will look down and people will see you the same way that your prayer. I know some nights we might pray rosaries all night. Sometimes we pray four rosaries a day. Sometimes we might pray eight rosaries a day. Our life is prayer. And I think strangers or people that don't know us or people that do know us come here. When they see us, they say their life is prayer. Their prayer. And we've heard people all say, well, they pray. My second bishop said, he says, y'all pray more than the monasteries. We're known for prayer. We have people call us. Often say, well, we know your prayers work. We don't think we're any special than anybody else, but we do pray. And so a life of prayer makes you prayer. And it's a beautiful testimony to be seen that way. But if you don't love, you can't be prayer. You can say all the rosaries you want, and I've known people that way, that daily communicates, highest form of prayer is mass. They prided themselves on that. They say prayers all day long in that sense, but they don't love. They don't change the direction of life. You love, and you're commanded to love, to be prayer, and receive nothing in return. You always have to labor in love, even when you're not appreciated. Love one who doesn't deserve your love. I ask you a question, is all that for nothing? And when you love with that return, it's God who will, with Our Lady, who will return everything. That's prayer. We've often had to do this in the mission. We've often had to do it in our life. You're called upon that. You may think, well, they don't deserve my love. But you don't deserve Jesus' love. Look what he's done and how much you haven't returned to him. I'm the same way. I often thought about that. When I love and don't get nothing in return and still have to continue to love, even though in spitefulness and whatever those people might be or, or even family members... I've done the same thing to Christ, and yet he's loved me. And I haven't returned that in the right way. So not all is lost. Nothing is ever loved for that turns into nothing. It always turns into something.
He said today, witness God in my presence. You are the light, the candle in the darkness to those who don't pray, who do not have peace, who do not want God. You have a heavy responsibility. And if you choose not to see evil, not to hear no evil, and never to speak of evil, you're doing harm to these souls. On the other hand, to love is to see 
the evil, hear the evil, not in an entertaining way, but that you might be able to speak it to denounce it. You may be the only one for these souls. For the many people, our lady says, that there is no God. Live his commandments. Be the light and the candle of the darkness. And love. And true love doesn't expect a return. But it's not with that value. And not with that return. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night. Good night.